Today's guest is Dina DeRose, master jazz pianist and singer, jazz educator, and overall wise and very fun person. She's performed in New York clubs since the early 90s, played at festivals and concerts throughout the world, is a leader on 12 albums, three of which are Grammy-nominated, and she currently lives in Graz, Austria, where she's the jazz vocal director at one of the top universities in Europe. We hope you enjoy this episode chock full of Dina's personal stories, musings, and wisdom, along with useful information, tips for music students, and so much more. Welcome to Meaningful Musical Conversations, where words are music, hearts are melodies, and harmony is our vision. I'm Jill Meunier. And I'm Daniel Townsend. Uh, thank you once again for joining into the podcast today. Today on this beautiful Wednesday morning, we have a woman by the name of Dina DeRose, who came all the way out here today from, uh, she drove from, uh, from San, Francisco. San Francisco today. That's right. So we appreciate you coming out today. Oh, thank means, you for having me. This is going to be fun. It means we a are time thrilled. Time. We are thrilled. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And originally, actually, Dina is from uh, Binghamton, New York, but uh, close by to where, where I actually grew up in Syracuse. But she's been living in uh, Graz, Austria for... Going on 14 years. Going on 14 Ooh. years. Wow. And before that, New York City for about 16 years. Yeah. Okay, great. And in New York City, actually, just to go quickly back to that, what, when did you actually move from Binghamton to New York? In 1990. Okay. Yeah, I was 25. Wow. I had wanted to move there sooner, but uh, some issues with my hand came up, and I had to have a few operations, and and I was just a pianist then. Mm. And during those, you know, couple of years, about a year and a half to two and a half years, I uh, studied some voice and started singing jazz, and as my right hand got... Uh, I had both operations and completely sort of healed up and I could start playing again. I just sort of put the two together, had to uh, pay doctor bills. So I just (laughs) got some steady work in my hometown area to try and get some of that paid off before moving to New York. So, Mm -hmm. and I think I moved to New York with about 600 bucks in my pocket. Wow. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. I just couldn't wait to get there. So I was like, once a lot of it was, and not, and, and even the doctor bills weren't really fully paid off. Yeah. I was still paying in probably for another year or two in New York yeah. while I lived in New York. So what kind of, I'm wondering what kind of work would pay well enough to actually pay off doctor bills? You know, because oh, you mean, were working hundred dollar gigs. Yeah. That's about what it was. So Back then? I, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. actually is actually not, is, compared to honestly mm-hmm. like what I see that yeah. at some of our really nice venues here yeah. and the top Bay Area musicians are only getting a hundred dollars yeah. per yeah. gig yeah. each. Right. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, most of my gigs paid 75 to 125. Okay. Then all the yeah. steady work. Yeah. Some of it was 150, wow. depending on what it was. But sweet. But then you could also have a tip jar. Yes. And being a solo piano player singer, I wasn't mm. really doing the sing along around the piano yeah. kind of thing that much. Mm-hmm. I had to do it a few times <laughs> yeah. for a few people. Okay. Right. Not, yeah. not like advertised that way. It was, yeah. I was really just doing jazz and, wow. and building my repertoire of the Great American Songbook mm-hmm. and jazz standards. Yeah. And yeah, I could, I could really, I could work a lot then. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's the same now in New York City. 
by the, you know, oh, it's... Uh, from what I've read, articles in the Village, um, what do you call that, the, the main paper there, the Village, I want to say the Village Voice, um, boy, that even the top, I know Linda Mahon O oh, actually was featured in this article talking about how hard it is, yeah. even for somebody like that, mm-hmm. um, a major, you know, player in New York, so well-recognized and well-known at that time mm-hmm. to, to make it. Yeah. And I've talked to, actually, when, when I was at Stanford Jazz last summer, <clears throat> I talked to a couple of people there also about how difficult it was for them. One of the top bass players yeah. Yeah. is really, um, so yeah. that, that's troublesome, honestly, to me. I mean, I know that there's a top drummer who's getting financial assistance from the Jazz Foundation at the moment because he can't pay his rent and all that stuff. And he's one of the, the top. Yeah. If I, I'm not going to mention a name, yeah. but you yeah, know of it. Yeah. Right. And many of them get assistance. I mean, yeah. Barry Harris does, and all mm-hmm. these older musicians get the you know funding or help, mm-hmm. yeah. financial help from the Jazz Foundation in New York. Like, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I didn't have insurance. They canceled me when I wanted my major operations on my hand oh, and man. because of pre-existing conditions oh. then. That's terrible. And oh. so I had to pay it all off. And But I had doctors, at least the second doctor, the major one down in New York where I had an arthritic mm-hmm. joint fused and a major thing. Mm-hmm. He just, he knew, and he worked with a lot of musicians. He says, you pay what you can, mm. when you can. So I just put it in my mind, I'm going to give him 100 a month. Yeah. Nice. And then if I could do two or 150, you, you know, yeah. and I really went every to the office with cash because yeah. that's what we got yeah. paid in. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, I just went there to say that. I was yeah. a little embarrassed, but the, even the secretaries knew us, mm. the ones that yep, didn't have insurance. Yep. And I just go in with my head down and she go, thank you so much. Oh, gosh. And will write me a little wow. receipt. And then I had all my receipts. Yeah. <gasps> and it took, you know, a couple of years to pay mm. like, you know, yeah. 16 grand off. Wow. So, back oh, then. Oh my God. Wow. Bless yeah. your heart. Wow. So, but, you know, I, they had understanding physicians that mm-hmm. were sort of, it's like karma, mm-hmm. you know, uh, karma medicine or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, karma totally. practice for them. Mm-hmm. And they they make enough on everybody else. Yeah. And, and the yeah. insurance companies. <laughs> right. Sure do. They do that. <laughs> yes. You know? And wow. he was... He was a, he loved musicians. Wow! Shouts out to that. Yeah, yeah really. Then. That's really. A Doctor Eaton. Doctor Eaton. Dr. Yeah, shouts out to yeah, anybody that we want. Yeah, that we want yeah. to hear. He's that now shout retired, out. but uh, has a great guy taking over for him. So. Wow! Wonderful. Well, I am just thrilled that your hands recuperated, yes. Dina. Yes, you know, me and too. I just want to say how we met um, was basically three years ago. Uh, when you came to do a house concert, of all things, um, about 10 minutes from my house here in Sebastopol at Ernie Shelton's house. And we want to just give a huge shout out to Ernie and his house concerts. We love you, Ernie. And Susan, thank you so much as well. Yes. It's a a really beautiful, intimate little room upstairs with a beautiful piano and Mm. about room for 70 people. Mm -hmm. And three years ago, I was absolutely delighted and floored to attend that concert and just hear you just kill it yeah, with your thanks. singing and playing. Yeah, and cool. that just, and then I was inspired to take the jazz workshop with you. Um, Stanford. At Stanford um, a year ago, summer, the vocal track. Mm-hmm. And you and Madeline Eastman. And again, mm-hmm. shout out to Maddie. Oh, yeah, Maddie. And <laughs> She's great. Fantastic um, experience. So, Back to actually just a little bit of your background, so people. Yeah. We jumped into uh, you know some things kind of quickly here, yeah. but I just want to make sure that everybody knows you know who you are and what you've been up to. Uh, so Dina is just a, an incredible. Actually, you say pianist first and then singer as kind of. I was first. A you pianist, were first, but 
I mean, these days, I tend to say vocalist, pianist, because mm -hmm. I have put a lot of effort into voice along yeah. with, I mean, if I think about it, I started piano at three years old, three mm -hmm. and a half, when I finally had a teacher. Um, and I didn't really start singing until I was about 13, and I was singing in a wedding band, and I could not sing. <laughs> I could not sing <laughs> in tune. It's hard to imagine. I could what? not, I mean, it was all breathy and nasally. Oh, I was awful. Right? Oh, my goodness. But they goodness. Wanted, a, you know, wanted somebody to sing in, the, in right. our little 13. We were all 13 and 14 and 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. And we had like two or three weddings a weekend. Wow. Whoa. So, yeah, it was really great. It was a kid's band. That's the popular yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And so we were really busy, but I didn't want to sing. So it was like maybe oh. four or five songs the whole time. Because we did upstate New York, we did yeah. polkas, mm. okay. we did waltzes and foxtrots, and then cha-chas and <laughs> sure. tangos, and, wow. and, and of course the pop music of the day, like Covered Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue, Oh yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Funky Town, and all yep. those tunes. Yep. I know those tunes, so, I love those yeah, tunes. Those yeah. were sort of not that hard to sing, but I still wasn't a singer, sure. really. and I didn't consider myself one, I just had to do it, <laughs> wow. because I was in these bands, so. Yeah, and it progressed that way for the next some years. And and uh, all in pop bands and, and Grateful Dead tribute bands sure. and all female rock bands and I always wow. was sort of the backup singer in all those. They yeah. had a lead singer, so. gotcha. but they asked me too, and I, I always grumbled. I don't want to <laughs> play, you know. Yeah. I didn't really want to sing. I and then the that. hands started the hand being thing. weird, and and so I thought one night I just I, okay. I sat in singing, and someone they clapped and they said, "Sing another one." I'm like, I. Anyhow, yeah. so, but it sort of, you know, it, it really made me feel a part of the music again because mm -hmm. I had really taken a bit of a six-month hiatus. Now, were you going to clubs at that time during your six-month hiatus, or were you yeah, to like, drink? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get yeah. hear music, and yeah, get depressed because I wasn't up there, you right, know? right. Yeah. And I just I stopped. But this one night, I went in and I, I sat in singing, and I and I, I sort of felt really a p warmth in my heart and like a part of something. Yeah. Like, a friend of mine was playing uh, piano. I took a few lessons with him, mm -hmm. jazz, when I was in classical college, you know, at college. But uh, didn't really take too many lessons at all yeah. with him because he <clears throat> smoked a lot. <laughs> two going at one time, and he was a, a sort of you know rough, tough kind yeah. of older guy, and mm -hmm. didn't really relate. And he, he told me one time, "Why don't you just study classical?" Mm -hmm. You know, and it sort yeah. of hurt me, so I stopped. You yeah. know, so then I really took a hiatus and. Yeah. One night, I just said, I'm going to sing. So I took some vocal lessons, and, and yeah, wow. then the rest is history. But yeah. where were we going with that? Again? Well, we were talking <laughs> about, um, yeah, what you're up to, and um, what you're, actually, yeah, just so yeah. people know, um, you performed in New York City and all these amazing clubs that we know. Can you yeah. want, do you want to say anything well, I, about I, that? I mean, I, two wonderful, there are a lot of wonderful clubs in New York, and one of them I have two live recordings from it's at, at Jazz Standard. Yes, live I know Jazz them. Standard. Mm -hmm. and, Great um, albums. Yeah. I've, I, the only one that I'm, it's still on my dream list is the Village Vanguard. It's mm -hmm. one I have mm. not played. I think I've played almost all the other ones. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's so coming okay. soon. It's coming so, soon. Uh, I don't know. There haven't been too many singers there. So, mm, we'll gotcha. see. Okay. So, yeah. Well, yeah. But I still love New York. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. And then after that, then you ended up going, um, getting this job, this amazing job in Graz as the vocal director of the jazz program, the jazz voice, mm -hmm, yeah, the jazz voice program. 
Yeah, well, I'm the only one there. That's sort of a, a, a small institute. Well, small. We have 120 students from 30 different countries. Wow. It's the oldest jazz institute in Europe. started in 64. And um, the vocal program didn't start until the late 80s, mm-hmm. around 88, 89. And Sheila Jordan started that. She did? Yeah, oh, she wow. started it, and she would do a semester. It was more of workshop style. Mm-hmm. Some private lessons. Um, I think they probably had... 10 or 15 singers there. Okay. And um, so Sheila would do a semester, then she'd bring over Mark Murphy and do a semester, and then Jay Clayton, wow. and Michelle Hendricks, and uh, Andy Bay. Mm-hmm. So they you know, would take turns with semesters mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. the years until it became um, a university. Okay, wow. In the early 2000s. And Lori uh, from the... Antonio- uh, yeah. Antonelli? And- Antonioli. Antonioli. <laughs> Antonioli, yes. I think that's how you say it. Antonioli. Oh, Lori. Yes, it's hi, Lori. It's always a, a twist in my mind. I have to remember it. Um, but at, at the jazz school here. Yes. She was in Graz before me. Oh, really? Wow. And when it became a university, they wanted someone to take a five-year contract. And she said, you know, I want to go home. Uh-huh. She just didn't feel right there. And she didn't want to audition for the position. Mm-hmm. So there were about five other people auditioning, and they offered me the position, mm-hmm. and I moved. And wow. it was um, probably the best move I made wow. ever. I mean, other than moving to New York. Yeah. That's, they're, they're like the top two in yeah. my life. So. Mm-hmm. so what was it like when you first moved there and you were in this new country? and Different. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had so much work back in New York and already a year's worth booked around Europe also, so that mm-hmm. I would be teaching three days a week in Graz, and then I wasn't there. That was it. I was just there to teach the first year or two. It was really quite a long transition. Okay. A lot of traveling, and it was really... I got a little burnt out, yeah. like physically. Mm-hmm. My body just got a little tired Yeah. running and running. Yes. Yeah, so I had to you know, learn to slow down a little bit, but, it, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're still like yeah. trotting everywhere. I know. Yeah, but uh, also, yeah, I, I mean, learning to take care of the body, yeah, you know, a little bit, and and the living there, the high quality of life is similar to the Northwest out mm-hmm. here. You know, you have, I live in an area where there's a walking path right on my street, mm, and lovely, a little village with you know, and electric bikes and a little lake, and mm. you know, and you just try to, you know, get some exercise yeah. and keep the circulation going, and yeah, and also, yeah. Eat right. We mm-hmm. have yeah. high quality of food there, regional. Yes. So that's it's been a good um, few years to to get myself back, sort yeah. of mm-hmm. in in the shape, mentally and physically that mm-hmm. I want to be in. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and also to learn, it takes a while to learn how to say yes and no to oh, certain yeah. gigs and that is the truth. take your time off and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's still hard. Yes. Say yes. <laughs> Most of the gigs are really fun now, and they're they're really good. So yeah. it's like hard to say no. Why not? Yeah, Why not? I totally yeah. get it. Mm. Well, if there's one thing, man, I can tell you, Dina, when when I'm listening to you perform, you are just like pure joy mm-hmm. up there. And I went to your performance the other night, and I swear it was I, it was like I was in this timeless place, mm-hmm. and it was uh, just un- unbelievable. And yeah, um, your voice, I don't know how you do it, like the, the way that you um, scat as you're soloing with your right hand. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
It's just double, so doubling that it, you voice. Can play it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. I do a lot of workshops with that. I, in fact, I'll I may be doing an online. Uh, well, I am. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in September. Oh wow! On the I'm 15th, there. It's going to be a live stream, and you cool. sign up for it, and wow. that's going to be one of the topics. Oh my god! Cool. You can sing it. You can play it. Oh, I'm excited! I'm excited about that. Many other times, it'll be a lot of question and answer from from whoever signs up. And I guess it's really like interactive. Neat. Right. Now, Webnair, I think it's called. Yeah. Oh, Webnair. Is, it's not through Jazz Heaven? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is through jazzheaven.com. Okay, because yeah. I just saw that advertisement, yeah. actually. Yeah, oh, so. well, congratulations. That is really neat. Ooh, yeah, thanks. It's going to be interesting. I've never done anything like that. so That sounds like a lot of fun. I just hope there are a lot of questions and answers so I can have some answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no Otherwise, doubt. You know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you, I know this is kind of a strange thing, but how do you recover from, like I know you're flying to Israel, you're, you, know, you, you go to Tokyo. How do, you, how do you deal with a jet lag? You know, over the years it gets less, I think. Mm, really? Yeah. If I don't travel for, say, I mean, I'm home... Roughly on, a, on an average two to four weeks mm -hmm. at home. Usually it's about two, if not ten days. Mm -hmm. You know, it's every other weekend or so I'm out and I teach wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's, or now it'll be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Mm. And starting in October, I took on another teaching position in Italy. Um, and it's a teaching master's level at Siena University. And that's one of the other really good universities in Europe. Mm -hmm. So that'll be three days a, a month. Okay. Which doesn't sound like much, but <laughs> with the schedule of every week mm -hmm. at the other school, that means there's going to be probably somewhere in the middle of the, every month, nine days in a row teaching. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I have to say in Graz, I have great students, mm -hmm. and I think it'll be an interesting experience in Italy so, yeah, besides, yeah, I, just as I said, I try to say no, but yeah, these great opportunities. And you try to make it work. Oh, yeah. And gosh. you physically have to get your sleep and eat yeah. well and, yeah. and make it work. Yeah. You know? Boy, even at the jazz workshop, I was so aware of just, uh, you know, it was a very packed schedule. Yeah. I was so aware of just like every food choice, like, you know, going to bed. And of course we had the vocal jam that mm -hmm. started at midnight. No, I yeah. yeah. Oh, did it? Okay, well. Midnight. <laughs> okay, it's until midnight. midnight. Well, in my mind it was like yeah. midnight because <laughs> I go to bed at 10. Well, when you're getting up at 7.30 in the yeah. morning to get to a 9 o'clock theory class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like it's midnight. Yeah. yeah. So that that was really something, um, yeah, yeah. Stanford's fun. It's it's like school in a way. There are other camps that make it seem like more jazz camp, uh -huh. you know, but but Stanford I think has a good balance. Sort of they give you enough time in the evening off to go to a concert or just hang out or yeah. go practice. Yeah, yeah. But it's on Stanford, right. so it's right. sort of school, you know. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so Dina, I wanted to actually ask you about this kind of going back to the beginning of this. Um, it seems like performance is your main, like the thing that you really love to do, right? Performance uh, is kind of where teaches, your heart lies, yeah. right? And teaching. Yeah. Teaches, well, no, it, performance teaches me right. what gotcha. to teach. There you go. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, for me, it's hand in hand. I couldn't just teach and not perform. And I don't know if I could just perform <laughs> and not teach, but... Probably. But I love exactly. teaching. So, yeah. I mean, I like the balance. I like, mm. I, I mean, be, it, only performing, I think it would get very tiring physically because sure. you have to travel so much. Yeah. So at least I have a home base mm -hmm. 
And one school, when I lived in New York, I was teaching in about almost six or seven different universities, wow. adjunct, you know. Right. My main school was Purchase College, and the other one was Hart up in Connecticut, Okay, yeah. Hart School of Music. And the rest, New School Manhattan, that was on a list, <laughs> you know, New York University, Long Island University, Queens College. And, and students could just look at a list and say, I want to study with this person, and they come to your apartment. Wow. So Whoa. that was okay, but Neat. it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, trying mm-hmm. to keep track of who, from what school, and mm-hmm. what semester are they in, and mm-hmm. blah, blah. it was really a lot to deal with, besides doing 7 to 14 gigs a week. Oh, my God. You know, back then. <laughs> yep. wow. So now when I do, like, you know, maybe, f- f- you know, 5 to 7 gigs a month and still have a good number of three days a week teaching, mm-hmm. yeah. for me, it's a pretty good balance. It feels good for now. Mm-hmm. Who knows in 10 or 12 years when I have <laughs> <Right>. to retire <laughs> from that job. <laughs> see, but, so yeah. um, was your first performance sort of back in the uh, the wedding band that you were doing as a kid? The like when first performance, well, I did recitals, of course, as a little yeah. three yeah. to uh, eight-year-old. Yes. Did, you, I, did you like them? Did you like doing recitals? I was a nervous wreck. Yeah. I had a stage mom. Oh. Yeah, yes. And she was tough. And I was very shy. I didn't say much. I was almost mute. And, um, and I think I was either eight or ten or nine, something like that. I had my first paying gig. And that was on the organ because I'd switched from piano to organ for a while. And I played for our uh, local Binghamton Dusters, <laughs> which was a hockey team. Nice. And um, I played for their event party at the end, and I just sat there playing for their. And everybody's having wine and cheese. Yeah. Um, but the, after that, I got to go into the arena once in a while and go boom, 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 boom <laughs> on the organ, you know, yeah. as yeah. the game is going oh, on. Wow. Because I knew the organ. He was actually a, one of my teachers okay. that played for it, so he'd have wow. me come up and just sit. And once in a while, he'd say, "Come on up here." Oh. And I was like, you know, really small too. Sweet. And I just sit there and do the yeah. little That's pedal amazing. thing, or, oh, or and put a chord down. It was oh, really fun. Whoa. If wow. they made a score, yeah, you know, just get the people clapping. It was oh really my gosh. fun. Yeah, oh. I always thought that'd be a really cool like yeah. position to be in. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. really, really fun. So and I also neat. played church organ, so I think starting at around 12, and that paid 15 bucks a, sh- a show. So, <laughs> so did, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. It's $15 a mass, yeah. yeah. And it was always, you know, the Saturday morning at 6 in the morning mass. Oh, my God. Because nobody, none of the adults wanted to get up, so they sent me, <laughs> you know, and so I'd go 6 in the morning. But by 13, I started doing weddings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do a wedding until midnight or 1 in the morning, and my father would stay up and help me pack up the station wagon with all my equipment nice. and bring me home. And four hours later, I wake up and go to do church mass. Ooh. So, I mean, I, I really wanted to be a part of all music, mm-hmm. anywhere, any kind. Yeah. You know, I played almost every style of music. Wow. When I first moved to New York, I was actually doing keyboard parts for Queen Latifah hmm. and Guru and 45 King and all these sort of rap artists at the time. Yeah. So, wow. you know, it was just, I just wanted to be a part of all yeah. music all the time. In high school, part of the quiet chorus, I played the piano for them, played percussion from five until I graduated high school, from fifth grade, sorry, until yeah. uh, graduating high school, mainly timpani and, and mallet percussion. Mm-hmm. I was in the state 
whatever and the Binghamton News Symphony yeah. and whatever I could dabble in, you know, everything. And then in, in school, I was in the stage band and the concert band, the marching band <laughs> and the choir and just everything. And yeah. I also played sports. But by 10th grade, I had to decide because mm -hmm. it was already like I was missing practice for rehearsals mm -hmm. and whatever. So hard to balance. Yeah. That. And Definitely. so a lot of that all was part of performance, though. I mean, even in high school, the stage bands, the marching bands, it's all about performance, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. So that, I think it all led to, when becoming a jazz artist, it's, you know, you're either going to, you know, stay in your studio and just record yourself and try and sell your CDs, or yeah. a lot of people like to perform. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the, the other styles of music that I had to perform in, it really helped me know how to and a lot of that music you know connects with an audience mm -hmm. yes. so when it came to jazz i mean this is the music i, I do the music i love and thankfully it is a way to connect to an audience because some of the more modern music is it's a little it's a little difficult for the audience to connect to it mm -hmm. and i love it and i do play it i even play free improv on mm. piano but um for me, still, when I do my yeah. project, it's how I connect best with an audience, mm -hmm. I guess, at this point in yeah. the game. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so far, that's been a reoccurring theme with the guests on yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's why I just stick to my guns because, I mean, I could tr I try to write. I, I do write. I don't do that many compositions on my recordings or gigs, but I write more now. And I have a couple originals coming up on the next CD that's going to be recorded October 1st nice. and 2nd in New York on nice. High Note. Mm. Can't um, wait for that to come out. Yeah, It's so. going to be your 11th or 12th CD? Um, as a leader. As a leader. 12th, I think, or 13th. Wow. Um, I did a few in Japan that just you can't get anymore because mm. they went out of print. Who mm. knows? And one in, uh, in Italy, a duo with Marvin Stam that's out of print. Some people have them. If you look on eBay, sometimes you find Ooh. people that want to get rid of things. You know? I'm going to task my husband with that. He's yeah. really good with that. <laughs> some people find them, and I'm like, how did you find that? Mm. And, and like somebody found my very first CD as a leader on Sharp. It was not even on Sharp 9 Records yet. It was the first label, Amosea, and it's a different cover than most people have. And it's really one of the original ones. Wow. And someone said oh. it was going for like 250 bucks. I don't know. <laughs> I, this was years ago, yeah. but I don't know. You know, well, I mean, some yeah. people just think they can get money for that. Sure. I'm sure they didn't get And they get can. Yeah. Yeah. And they <laughs> no, but there are very few of those left. Mm -hmm. so. mm. you can, sometimes you can find them. People want to get rid of them. Neat. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I was curious. Uh, I'm curious about how you feel when you are done performing. Like, do you, some people get, they get like kind of amp up. I know some performers, they kind of like amp up and it's really exciting. And then there's this huge roller coaster down and kind of like it's, they feel sad and like mm -hmm. have a hard time, you know, or for me, honestly, even though I haven't done that many gigs yet, but I tend to feel like really excited and have a hard time coming down, mm -hmm. you know, like the energy is really high. Um, so I'm wondering what your experience is and how you manage your energy. Yeah. I, I believe everybody's different with this. There are, are, there's a general plot of people in mm -hmm. each, some yes. of the categories, but I think for me, I just performed so much mm -hmm. that I do get ramped up mm -hmm. after I have a, it's good energy. Yeah, 
And I don't really come down that much. Mm -hmm. I think years ago, maybe I did, but only if I didn't have like another gig in the next day or two. Yeah, mm -hmm. I hear you. Or right. three or four. Mm -hmm. There's been, I have to, I mean, I have to say, I, I had a, some some people think coming down off something is a bad thing, or they think mm -hmm. of it as a depression. Yeah, mm -hmm. and sometimes I think, and, and for me, through the years, people would say that, and I think, oh, I guess I'm depressed, you know, a little. And but then I think, but what's the opposite of depression? I mean, in in one 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 yeah. opposite. Relaxed. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think mm -hmm. the, the positive, yes. what, what, what else could you say? I guess maybe yeah. when you're depressed, your body's relaxed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah, but like maybe yeah. I'm not mentally depressed. It's just that I'm physically yes. relaxed now yes. so that I can get ready for the next gig. Yeah. Totally. So I don't know. I've tried to flip around things like nervousness. I used to get nervous. Mm -hmm. But it's more about getting excited yes. and, and look anticipating such fun oh, with yes. whom I'm playing with yes. and the conversations we're going to have yes. and, yeah. and the audience we'll have and yeah. the whole energy of the room and all that. So through the years, it took me a little while to, to flip that ball around. Yeah. But now with the after effect, I think I, I'm ramped up and when I come down, I just see it as, okay, it's time to just relax now and prepare yeah. for the next one because I tend to keep busy. You, yeah. you so do. I, whether I it's going to do a workshop, it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter if it's going to do another performance or not. But yeah. maybe it's even I get home on a Saturday from a night or Sunday mm -hmm. morning from a performance somewhere in Italy, and then I have to teach on Monday. Yeah. Um, I really try to relax that day and, yeah. and get good rest, and then it's sort of exciting. I go back to teaching. Right. I like my students, so yeah. they're yeah. good people. Yeah. We enjoy mm -hmm. each other's time. I think almost yeah. of us do. Beautiful. That's <laughs> beautiful. And, and yeah, so it's and that's another adrenaline. When I come home from teaching, I'm pumped up on the drive home, but when I get home, I'm tired. Yeah, because yeah. teaching is a different energy. Yeah, and one-on-one -on -one teaching takes a lot of energy, even if the student is motivated. Mm -hmm. You have to keep it moving for an hour and a half. Yep. You know, and I have to do that for four or five times each Oof. day. Yeah. You know, okay. so it's, it's a lot of energy output. Mm -hmm. But I also get a lot from them because I learned, you know, it's, it's like a yeah. feed. Yeah. yeah. It's both ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any sort of, um, this is always fun to talk about, performance rituals or anything that you kind of take with you as far as how you prepare for your kind of show days or anything like that? Maybe something people can maybe pick up on to take with them for when they're performing. Just yeah. anything you've picked up along the way. Well, sometimes and, it's hard, you know, when you're traveling. You don't know too much of what, where you're going to be, how, mm -hmm. what it's like. Right. What's you know, the gear like? What's, yeah. you know, the so venue sometimes, like? Sometimes, like, yeah. I fly, and even for just from Austria to Spain, mm. uh, I'll get there, and it's still, you know, people think you just pop over to Spain. <laughs> it takes a couple <laughs> hours. No. And like everything <laughs> takes at least six or eight hours, you oh. know, by the time you go to the airport. Yeah. Blah, 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 you know, get in, check in, security. It just takes time, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so sometimes you get there, and hmm, you might be staying at this hotel that's on a circle, near a shopping center and there's like no green anywhere, nowhere to park, to, uh, no park to walk in. Mm -hmm. And so I'm walking around the parking lot, getting my steps in, you know, yeah. or up and down the stairs in the hotel, you know, and they don't have a gym because it's just a motel. And like two hours you have to go to the gig. Yeah. So, you know, you do that and I'd try to lay down for 10 minutes mm -hmm. 
And usually when I'm traveling, I've learned to take a nap for 10 minutes. I may lay there for 20, mm -hmm. but at some point I try to just breathe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and exhale long yeah. and, and do sort of the body, you know, yoga, you know, yes. I relax my feet, mm -hmm. I relax my legs, and, and within five minutes, I'm almost out, and really, I set the alarm for 10 or 15 minutes, and that 10 or 15 minutes gives me so much more energy than an hour yeah. sleep. There it is. I totally hear you. So that's it's a great my, tip. Yeah, yeah. If I need it, that's a good, you know, and then I shower, get ready, and we're ready for the yeah. gig. And you know, I want to just like point out that you just mentioned that you use a timer, and I, you know, I think that's really important, because I think that a lot of people, they take a rest, but they're kind of nervous. Oh, am I going to remember? And they don't set a timer. Mm -hmm. So even if it's in the middle of the day, and if, even if it's not about a gig or something, right. I think using a timer for that little rest yeah. is, is is comfort, because then you can really let go, and you know yes. that you're not going to sleep through yes. what you right. need to that's do. That's exactly it. I know that it's going to wake me up, so I need to get to sleep. Right, I need to <laughs> <You> do <know>? this. <laughs> ah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, that reminds me, um, I know that um, that you have a yoga teacher, um, your partner that you've been with for 10 years, I think, mm -hmm. um, is actually a yoga teacher that teaches at Kratz and as part of the uh, jazz vocal program. Yes. So can you talk about that and some of the benefits that you think the students receive uh, or that you hear the, the students receive, or that you see that the students the receive above. Yeah, um, from that? Yeah, when I moved there 14 years ago, there was a class under the vocal umbrella called Stage Presence and Body Works, or something like that. And um, Annette Giesregel was teaching that, and mainly she was working with them Doing, they were doing an acapella, singing an acapella piece, mm -hmm. and she would work on trying to get them to relax. And the, yoga wasn't really even a huge part of it yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second year I was there, after the first year, we talked about it, mm -hmm. and uh, we introduced. I suggested, you know, you're a yoga teacher. She had just gotten her certification mm -hmm. from, um, I believe, in the hate. She may have gotten it. No, where was Amazing. it? Grass Valley? No. I forget. Mm. Anyhow, okay. Somewhere out here. Mm -hmm. And also in Europe. She has a couple. And so I said, how about introducing, at least in the first year, some yoga into yeah. it? And she goes, well, they're going to have to get mat. we got to buy mats. I said, well, they can get their own mat. But it makes, you know, you see mm -hmm. everybody always walk into a yoga class with their right. mat. Yeah. And that'll yeah. make them feel good about it, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> so and, I got my mat. Yeah. yeah. And, and so she introduced yoga and, and a little bit of meditation. Of course, the shavasana at the end, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And breathing mm -hmm. and some of the yogic breathing. Yes. Uh, the pranayama. The bhakti and the, mm -hmm. you know, d different things. Yes. And students, you know, were a little hesitant at first, but because they're young, you know, 18, 19, 20. Some of them are 22 coming in. They're a little older there in Europe. But, you know, still young for yeah. this stuff. And maybe some of them never had any introduction to it. So it was very basic. And then the second, it's a three-year tier, mm -hmm. a three-tier uh, program. Okay. Three-year program. And um, the second year still does yoga, a little more advanced, some sun salutations, mm -hmm. all the different things. And then maybe even the, we call it the Akpurkata and... German, but the Eight Treasures of Qigong. Oh, neat. And all that gets into the second and third year. The third wow. year is mainly the culmination of it all, which is we have a rhythm section, mm -hmm. and Annette and I co-teach it, mm -hmm. and it's usually somewhere between three and four or five singers being the 
lead yeah. mm-hmm. and learning how to lead, mm-hmm. how, how to do intros and endings, and and also still incorporate presence yes. and awareness yes. and communication and all these things. So it's yes. a wonderful part of my program, I think, mm-hmm. because a lot of, I find a lot of schools don't have this, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, my jazz singers get an hour and a half with me. They get a half an hour with a vocal uh, classic, classical technician mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that gives them a repertoire and technique, mm-hmm. breathing and all that. Um, I do more a still style and more modern vocal technique along with classical breathing and all that stuff yes. with them. And the, uh, the classic technique teacher is also American that's been there for about 40 years. She's been teaching the jazz singer since Sheila was there. Oh, my And when gosh. she started the program in 1990, really, is when wow. Fran Lubon started. And she was a, 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 a star at the opera house. She was the star, beautiful blonde opera singer, you know. Soprano, you know, and yeah. so, but so she just loved jazz singers, so she got roped into this wow. and has been there teaching them and still there. She should have retired. I keep, I'm keeping her on <laughs> because she's really great. She's only uh, 72 or 73 okay. this year, but totally can sing and, and takes online courses in Alexander technique with vocal wow. technique and really always continue educating mm-hmm. herself, yeah. continuing to educate herself, mm-hmm. and pass it on to the students. Mm-hmm. So the students have those, plus this English course that she teaches, which I have to do English a lot there with myself. Okay. And I started this English course a little bit, maybe five years into me being there, because it's a lot of work. I don't have any mother tongue English-speaking people. Oh, my goodness. They're all from other countries. So, yes. you know, they can speak English, but, yeah. you know, when it comes to singing great American songbook and jazz standard okay. English songs, they really uh, are soaking it up. Yeah. They're loving the program. They, they wow. see how much we offer, and not, there aren't many schools like this that offer all this. Totally. Mm. Wow. So we're very proud of our... Department and our Jazz Institute. It's really one of the best ones for foundation also mm-hmm. in Europe. A lot of them are more into free and mm-hmm. free jazz mm-hmm. and pick your own courses. We're, we're getting more into picking your own courses. Mm-hmm. Eventually it takes time to change curriculum, but, yeah. but there's going to be a set amount that's foundational and yes. then they can jump off and choose yeah. paths uh-huh. like a lot of other universities mm-hmm. do now. So we keep updating the universities really. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Ed Partika is the head of our department. He's an American, but he's lived in Europe now for probably 35 or 40 years, I think, wow. somewhere around there, 30, yeah. 30 plus, 35 wow. plus. Wow, yeah. Yeah, and uh, comes out of Rob Brookmeyer style, big band arranging and mm-hmm. Marie Schneider, that more modern approach. Yes. But he knows Basie and, you know, Ellington and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's a, everybody gets a good foundation. Wonderful, gosh. Yeah. All the singers take, all the instruments take piano for non-majors for mm-hmm. two years, and everyone takes rhythm for two years. The nice. first year is really, you know, reading rhythm, singing it, tapping it, playing it on a little pad or whatever. Wow. And the second year is drum set. Oh, my oh. gosh. And Seriously? I have to say, I introduced that part. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Not can to you... pat myself on the back, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. that one was, I brought that up. I said, well, what if we would break, this, break it up, <sighs> and then the second year, everybody play a little drum set. Oh, my God. And you mm. have to see the difference in everybody. The rhythmically, wow. their I bet. time is better. They know grooves. and 
Well, whatever. can you can you tell us a little about a bit about your drumming experience? Because I know that you said that you know the, when you were I don't know a kid Depression. or that yeah. you were and that you were also doing like you know using the what do you call it a kit? <laughs> the drum yes, kit, yes. right? I know Daniel yeah. has a little kit. experience. Well, I mean yeah. sometimes I I like I have a drum kit at home, so I I like to sit and play. With, uh, you know, Duke Ellington and Ray Brown. Oh, my God. Okay, my fantasy, honestly, like, which I didn't answer the other day when we oh, were yeah. interviewing somebody else. <laughs> we're going to ask you this question later. Yep. <laughs> but my fantasy would be actually to play drums. Yeah. If I could just oh. blink my eyes oh. and, like, you just do anything. Do oh, my God. It. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just start with the ride symbol. It's true. Bang, so bang, much damn fun. Yeah. Okay. Easy t- that, uh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Duke Ellington and Ray Brown. Is that the one? And there's no drummer, and it's fantastic. Okay, okay, I you're inspiring me. Yeah, I have to think now. I haven't done that yeah. in a while. Right. But I, I sometimes play for the singers, you know, we're whatever, because they wow. they all have to play a little. Mm-hmm. Not play and sing. I'm not making play, piano players who play and sing. Right. Mm-hmm. But they have to play enough to yep. accompany, because a lot of them will go into a teaching degree. Okay. Right. So they have to, yeah. there are no, there's no money mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. for accompanists, for vocal really? teachers, you know, no. Oh. Not much. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons I think why I got this gig, because all the teachers before me needed accompanists, and mm-hmm. they were starting to cut back on that in all right. universities. Yeah. So it's just a given that we have mm-hmm. to know more anyhow. Yeah. Well, I think it's such an incredible idea yeah. that that you had to to uh, have people play drums there last year. And yeah. when I watch, you know, I did this little cute little recording of your hands because I actually I was in the audience the other night and mm-hmm. was I you know the first time when you did when you came out and did I just found out about love on the first I mean like I almost fall it fell off my chair <laughs> yeah. because I, I because she had said she was gonna open with this other song and then yeah. I heard that and I was like yeah. ah <laughs> um but uh second set I, I was gonna open up with Okay. <laughs> so, oh, okay, got yeah. it. So I, anyway, but I, uh, I videoed your hands. Unfortunately, I was too shy to get the video up on that one on Just Find Out About Love. But oh. I have all the other songs. Um, I think pretty much got your hands on most of them because I was seated a position where that's about all okay, I could see. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, the, your rhythm, your sense of rhythm and timing. Oh. oh my God. I mean, that actually, I'm glad I got your hands because that's a lesson for me. Okay, nice. I mean, seriously. And great. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, drums is a big part of it. I, I like growing up and playing all the different things, snare drum, even bass drum, yep. whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in a full orchestra a lot of times. And, and mm. you know, and when you have a conductor, we had a monster of a conductor. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> well, no, okay. Not like I see the look on, yeah, I okay. see the look on your face. Okay. Yeah, this guy monster. was a, a freak. <laughs> okay. Out. He freaked out oh. every rehearsal. And if you missed oh. a half a beat, Oof. He would almost throw his baton at you. He threw music stands at the windows Whoa. and scared the shit out of, wow. you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, what? 15 year olds. Oh, I mean, he was out of his mind. He'd turn beet red. And then after he retired, years later, I saw him in a Kmart or something. Yeah. He was nice as pie. What? He was like a different person. Wow. He just, he was burnt out. Yeah. He'd done it too long yeah. when we were kids. So, yeah. So, but the, that you know. Well, there's nothing right. like uh, feeling a so, little fear to yeah. make you be able yeah. to focus. Uh, well, well, not well, actually, yeah. like you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm filled with fear of yeah. something like that happening, it makes it really difficult to perform well, and that's focus. What I had, besides having a stage mom, stage mom, I had to deal with this, and I dealt with it in my early oh my 30s God. because I did. I was nervous, and I had a hard time with audiences yeah. up until then. I was shy. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So. 
going through some therapy mm-hmm. and really working through like becoming an adult, yeah, sort of, and t- t- keeping doing things for my own responsibility and yeah. my own reasons. Yes, is when it started to change, not because I hope my mom likes what I'm doing right. and right. all that, or I hope the drummer calls me back. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. everything was like so the, needing recognition. It's for you, right? Yeah. So the therapist really did help oh, yeah. you. I had one and only mm-hmm. I had, mm-hmm. and I still use the tool she gave me. She mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. Is there any specific tool that you could um, like? Well, one, mm-hmm. which works in a lot of different situations, she said, just remember, hysteria is history. So when you're in a situation and it's a little bit hysterical, it's not about now, mm. uh, ever. Yeah. It's about one person's history yeah. being laid out mm-hmm. and the other one being so, you know, mm-hmm. drawn into it. If mm-hmm. you allow yourself, you know, yes, and then it makes yeah. it worse. And it's really not about now at all. It's it's oh. something that happened before mm-hmm. that's built up or just relates to mm-hmm. something Situation. in the past mm-hmm. yeah. that doesn't totally. have anything to do with you. <laughs> yes. Or you, you know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yeah. So hard. that kind of took this, it, it put it in, it gave you a different perspective I, and helped you maybe stay inside of yourself and well, as opposed to getting pulled into the... I left that uh, meeting mm-hmm. and she was up on like 91st and... Uh, whatever that was, Lexington or one of the, not Lexington, it was on the west side, so uh, not West End, but over on the other side of Broadway. Anyway, yeah. So I can't remember, it's been so long. Um, mm-hmm. So I walked over to Broadway and I started walking down Broadway around 90 something. Yeah. And I had a bit of a out of body experience. Oh, wow. I could see myself walking down Broadway and all these people, you know, it's packed yeah. sidewalks. Yeah, sure. And I'm just one little person, Yeah. you know, making my way down that sidewalk and everybody else has their own deal. Yeah. Yep. We all do. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next person I meet, if they bring a bad vibe to me, I'm just going to turn it around and smile. Mm-hmm. And I went in to get a, bo- a bottle of water back then, you know, and I had a little deli, yep. and the person was grumpy as hell, <laughs> ringing me out, didn't look at me or anything. I said, mm-hmm. I brought it up, I, I put it down, I said, yeah, just this. And she goes, just that. And I said, you know, <laughs> I'm like, wow, New York. <laughs> yeah, just, just this. Just, and I looked at her, just this. Yeah. And I smiled, and she looked at me and went, oh, oh wow. Okay. Mm. Yep. Mind blowing. 10 minutes that I had. Mm-hmm. It all happened, all that happened in like less than 10 minutes. Wow. And I realized. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading up on Sufi mm-hmm. and energies and, yeah. you know, all this sort of Buddhist stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I just started, dove into it. I got into yoga and meditation and at that time and, and just, you know, realized that Everything is an energy, and we we have the control to turn anything around. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I love it. Yeah. So Thank when you I for go, that. and that's the thing about performing is like mm-hmm. I used to get nervous. So like, okay, maybe it's nervousness, or maybe it's just that I'm excited. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's how yes. we think of it. Mm-hmm. We can reframe mm-hmm. that energy yeah. in a different way. Totally. Just how how mm-hmm. is a big word with me because, you know, or why? But mm-hmm. how is even bigger because, you can talk to somebody, but it's how are you talking to them? Mm-hmm. You can. You can run. How are you running? Are you running correct? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, how is yes. a huge one with me? Mm. So. 
So how? Mm. It's, that's interesting. I, I think of the word alignment when you say that question, like what are we aligning ourselves with? Mm-hmm. Like how are we moving through space, whether how? it's... Yes. Yes. I yeah. love that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're getting out there now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Wherever you are today, sitting in your car or in your room, yeah. getting those energies now. Yeah. That's great. No road rage, people. No oh. road rage. Oh, yeah. That car <laughs> no that computer just cut rage. You off, give them a, yeah, give them a chance. Yeah. The truth is, you don't know. Maybe um, they have to rush to the hospital or something True. for an emergency. You never know what people's deal is right. in that mm-hmm. scenario. And Even that's exactly it. Yeah. Car situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I just doing. veer away from them. Yeah, mm-hmm. just keep clear. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. yourself safe. That's mm. really Boy. what you can do. You know, I'm I'm left in this space right now, yeah. mental like calm. Oh yeah. And I was just about to like ask you something and it has evaporated from my mind. <laughs> That's okay. Which is probably a fine well, thing, but I was going to um, say that um, since we touched on this earlier, it does seem like you use a little bit of meditation practice before you go on stage. Like you said ten minutes basically. Seems like you're clearing your mind and giving yourself a chance to five or ten just... minutes before, yeah. Right. I just do some breathing. I do a shoulder exercise at the moment because I've got a frozen shoulder. Oh, yeah. And it's it's helping that. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, uh, yeah. It it changes, but mainly it's just to center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you never know what was going on before, and right. It's hard to just. I used to think it, I didn't need this five or ten minutes, but as I get older too, I I think there's just so much more in our heads mm-hmm. that we have to like make space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then totally. so mainly what I do is like just warm up the voice, mm-hmm. the little sirens and a little you know slack and a little. Buzzing in mm-hmm. the dressing room or in the bathroom sometimes. Yep, been there. And um, and just doing that gets me in, on my breath, and I'm thinking about what the first song is, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just simple stuff. Yeah. But um, mainly the the exhaling long. Yes, is when I really start to find my feet on the ground. So mm-hmm. when I get get to that, sometimes that's just before we're stepping out. Right. Stage too. Yeah, behind. Just behind just, the curtain. Yeah, yeah. totally. A couple little nice breaths. And, yeah. And yeah. hugs for my guys or girls when I'm playing with them. Yeah. That's always like we're connecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, what it's like, what makes a gig for you really enjoyable? The people that you're playing with and. Um, if we're all in communication. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people that are in their own zone, mm-hmm. listening to themselves. Mm-hmm. I have to say, thankfully, I, I haven't had that situation in quite a while. Nice. I've centered myself around, or I've been centered around, because some of them weren't my choices yes. in right. the first place, but it ends up being a good one. That's anyhow. good, yeah. So it just ends up being wherever I go. Italy, I have a rhythm section. Denmark, Holland, there's different rhythm sections. Mm-hmm. Like I can't bring a band. It just doesn't, it's not cost-effective anymore. Right. Um, and so, all those people are pretty much, you know, on the same wavelength, yeah. pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, during the gig. That Some of them get a little tired and they tune out a little bit, mm-hmm. but they're there, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. basically. Definitely. And yeah. I think if I'm there, it helps them be there. Yeah. That also is part of being a leader, I think. Mm, it's not tuning out, you know? Yes. To, because it's like, yeah, you wouldn't do that if you had a party at your house. No. no. All of a sudden, no. everybody's having a good time. You just go up and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and not say goodnight or just sit and, and watch TV. Yeah, do your room. own thing over somewhere you else. You know, I yeah. mean, you just wouldn't do that. Nah. So, I mean, just yeah. to try to be there. Mm-hmm. And why not? I mean, mm-hmm. look at yeah. the, look at the, what we have. Yeah. I mean, we're making music mm-hmm. for a living. 
sort of, you know? Yeah. I mean, I teach too, but that's also music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to be, that's the other thing I am is very thankful and I feel very fortunate. So I'm, I try to be thankful every day to be aware of that. Yes. Because I could be sitting in some office yep. organizing something mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, <laughs> Fix yeah. computers. To sit in my office and organize my own life, let alone somebody else's. We don't need that. So yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, so talking about conversations, mm-hmm. um, you know, musical conversations. Uh, I was watching you the other night with Kira Atana, um, drummer, and Peter Barchet on bass, which was just so much fun. So much fun. You know, so much fun. And so, I'm wondering. There may be some people listening who. Um, don't really necessarily know that much about jazz. Um, do you want to say something a little bit about jazz improv, like what that's like and the conversations? Um, and I was thinking that we could even do like a little experiment if you were up for it, okay. like a little, you know, conversation back and forth. Um, to, okay. You know, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to say something about yeah, I mean, jazz improv? And- jazz improv. Most people, when you ask them, what is improv, you know, like when you're playing jazz and they think, oh, it's freedom. You know, it's uh, just doing what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, like the average person, maybe not a musician. Mm-hmm. Right. But the more of the non-musicians that listen to music and get really into jazz, they realize it's a little more to it. Yeah. And there's a lot of foundation. It's a language. I mean, the language of song is learning repertoire. The language of improv is learning repertoire, uh, solos from, from great soloists, mm-hmm. uh, many, many jazz standard heads, meaning melodies, mm-hmm. um, learning to sing a drum solo of Philly Joe Jones or Max Roach or uh, many. Wow. You know, just being able to sing and, maybe, and, and, and copy along with some of the greats to get some of that foundational rhythm and you know, language of improv. And once you have a bit of that foundation, you can start communicating, like mm-hmm. any other language. If you don't have some of the basics, you know, mm-hmm. like I can do a lot of languages, at least the menu uh-huh. in countries. <laughs> yes. And that gets me by there, you know, yeah. that's about it. And then I'm learning uh, Deutsch, German, mm-hmm. yep. where I live, and I can just get by. It's yeah. difficult. I'm mainly speaking English, teaching and everything, so... And I travel a lot to other countries, so everybody speaks English. Mm-hmm. But um, with improv, it's, you know, it's once you have a bit of a foundation, and even if you don't, you can still improvise, mm-hmm. yes. you know? But when it comes to a certain style of music, you sort of, to get good at improv, you have to get that foundational yes. bu- uh, uh, background <laughs> in order to play with it and yeah. have freedom. Yes. So you have to learn the rules before you can break them. Yeah. That's the old rule anyhow Mm -hmm. but um yeah so for me when i'm teaching improv at least first year students they're learning some basic uh uh solos Mm -hmm. from clifford brown Mm -hmm. lee morgan even shulia bop by sarah vaughn Mm -hmm. and ella fitzgerald blue skies and chet baker's it could happen to you and all these sort of solos that are doable at that time they're not long maybe or they're at least not Fast, 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 right. fast notes, and they can get it, and and just by listening. Mm-hmm. I used to have sheets and papers and hand them out, and they read it. I stopped that a dozen years ago because reading be- transcriptions is totally different than listening yes. and trying to <laughs> yeah. hear them. Yeah, yeah, 
And I don't know why I even started teaching that way years ago. Sure. Because I didn't learn that way. I didn't have I didn't go to university. Mm-hmm. I didn't have teachers. I learned it from the records and I only learned it from copying it. Mm. And then of course looking at a real book and thinking, okay, he's playing all this stuff over a what? Uh, B flat seven, okay, you know, and then I'd sort of, you know, just copy it by ear Boy. mainly, and I'd try writing it down. Now that I look back at it all, it's like <laughs> I can't even read it. Yeah, you sure. Know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, some of the try I got better at transcribing later, but I didn't ever really transcribe that much. But uh-huh. but really, I thought one day, you know, why don't I just go back to how I learned? Yeah. So the minute I did that, the singers come in like in a week. They've got. A whole solo done. Wow. They're much quicker than I was back mm-hmm. then, you know, mm-hmm. because everything's here now. It's true. And we and have it's the solo playlist, and they're listening to it fifty times a day. Yeah. And then by a week's time, they come in and they can sing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, they write it. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Pretty nice. much, you know. Maybe okay, it's, I'm maybe inspired. It's a, for some of them, everybody's a different level and of learning, quick and fast. But yeah. mm-hmm. uh, some of them take three or four weeks, whatever. Mm-hmm. But usually, it's in a week or two. It's done, and and. Just learning, you know, uh, to sing like a horn. Yeah. I have that ensemble at Stanford, right. which is singing with a horn section and singing with them and mm-hmm. blending and no words, mm-hmm. just just singing syllables mm-hmm. and yeah. finding the syllables that match the instrument and the song and yeah. the, all that. So, Neat. Yeah, but with Akira and P- Peter, we have a great time improvising because we have a similar language. Uh-huh. And that's what I think when you start to learn your own language... Mm-hmm. Or learn a language. You go yeah. to Berkeley. They can pick and you can do fusion. You can do yep. straight ahead. You can do whatever. It's, it's whatever your love of what style you mm-hmm. want to learn. Um, I do believe the bebop and the hard bop and the earlier languages and even Dixieland and early jazz is very important. Those fusion people like Pat Metheny, that's yeah. what they started with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't start out sounding like Pat Metheny no. in 1970. Right. You know. Yeah. So students nowadays have a probably a better sense of that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot more younger students or even older adults that get into jazz that know that the foundations are very important. Yes. Yeah. So that's why we sort of yeah. still go to the basic mm-hmm. solos and stuff because yeah. it is a foundation. Yeah. And once you have that, like I said, uh, you can go into any style. I've played a lot of different styles, but I just love the bebop, hard bop, Sort of the more contemporary mm-hmm. stuff right yeah. in the seventies, early fusion, Chick Corea, mm-hmm. and, and that's where I sort of stay because mm-hmm. I just love that style. Yeah. And there, you could live a lifetime and and <laughs> still not get where you want to get with it. Yeah, you know. And I used Explore to think, well, I have to pick a style and and then I have to progress to this style and then I have to go into the modern. Well, not really. Mm-hmm. And I tried it and it didn't, you know, pump my heart yeah. as much as like. Swinging, yeah, you know, yeah. Or, or great ballad, Shirley Horn. I mean, oh, all this great stuff. I, I just love it, and I know that's what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. even though I progress through that style. Yes, I mean, on the new record, there's Alan Broadband mm-hmm. and and Bob DeRoe, and they they write in that style. Mm-hmm. This is what I think students also have to understand: is you could be a, a Dixielander at 14 years old and love it, and stay in it for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. but grow in it yeah and expand that Mm -hmm. style yeah which they are now there are a lot of retro young bands that are doing like on new orleans on the street i just saw it on facebook this morning some band and they're young Mm -hmm. girl trumpet player and clarinet play guy clarinet and a bass and a tuba sorry not a bass a tuba 
and and all this, and they're playing really early jazz, and they're loving it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they sound great, and they're you could see they're making little arrangements of it, and it's progressing that style. Yes. So whatever style it is you like, if you just expand your musicality and yourself through it, mm-hmm. it's going to expand mm-hmm. the genre. So mm. well said. I happen to yeah you, yes I absolutely mean, got off the path no we yeah there's yeah. all these little tiny little mm-hmm. you know networks off the path and they all yeah. are the same coming from the same coming place from the same totally. place pretty much but I just want to say just I happen to love your aesthetic no. <laughs> I just Thank love you. your style I love your aesthetic it's Thank just you. like yeah well I've come out of listening to people that have great aesthetic like Amajamal Shirley mm-hmm. Horn. Red Garland. Mm-hmm. I just love their tasteful, you know, Hank Jones taste yeah. of mm-hmm. touch and mm-hmm. Tommy Flanagan mm-hmm. and Bill Evans, mm-hmm. yeah, all those totally. great. I just gravitated toward those. And I think if one listens to that a lot, mm-hmm. it just, it gets in you. Yeah. It does. You know, it's yeah. like a certain style that yeah. that one project, pr- projects because you've put it in. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about listening. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing that anyone wants to go into anything musically or I guess almost yeah you have to listen mm-hmm. to whatever you want to do yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like be able up, to do yeah. in the music totally. sorry no it's okay it's yeah. like picking up an accent from yeah. a different place mm-hmm. you exactly. travel to you mm-hmm. there long enough you'll pick it up it's a language yeah yeah, yeah. boy <laughs> oh so I know some people who are professional jazz musicians that actually don't really listen to a lot of jazz anymore. Um, maybe they perform a lot or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm wondering, what about you? Do you listen to music in the car? Or mm-hmm. what, do you listen to music much? I listen a lot with my students. Mm-hmm. I listen on my way to school. It's about a 25-minute drive mm-hmm. to and fro. So I put on a record for about a month mm-hmm. and just listen to the same thing. Oh wow! All month, which is like three to four days a week if I'm going to school. Um, I don't listen while I'm traveling. Yeah. I try to keep it clear. Yeah. And try to be present because I'm working on posture while I'm carrying luggage and all this <laughs> stuff. So I have to work on that stuff. <laughs> and it's a nice break anyhow. Yeah. Um, but when I'm listening at home, which is usually when I have people over mm-hmm. for dinner or sometimes when I'm cooking, I like to put music on. I put either jazz or classical. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Mm-hmm. And usually instrumental jazz yeah. more than vocal jazz. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I do a lot of vocal listening with my students and, yeah. and also with, with whoever gave me their CD, right. you know, uh, in or for a month. Yeah. Or whatever. So, but when I do listen to vocal jazz, maybe it's not even jazz. I like Brazilian. You know, mm. I went home on Sundays mm. putting on some nice uh, yeah. Joyce or um, Leila Pinheiro. Mm-hmm. I love her. Lisa mm. Regina, all, uh, all those I love. Rosa Passos, uh-huh. another new favorite. Yes, I just discovered her. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I saw her in New York a lot when I lived there. Oh, oh my gosh. And she had just come on the scene pretty much late 90s or whatever, and at least in New York. Yeah. She was one of her first visits, I think, and early 2000, I forget. And sort of lost touch again, mm-hmm. and then I go back into her and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, she's so authentic. Yeah, exactly. She's really real. I just real love her voice. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, there's a wide variety. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel, did you want to ask? I'm uh, I did, yeah. Okay, um, go for it. I'm a really, write it down for really it. quick question, actually. Um, or maybe it'll turn into a long one. Uh, since you've played so many different venues and places kind of around the world even, I was curious if you had one that sticks out to you as sort of like a really special spot or something that really meant a lot to you, maybe it was like the most fun place you've ever been or just, uh, you know, like a very... Well, I have to say one <laughs> of my favorite places, at least in the Northwest. Sure. I mean, I have one, two real favorites. Let's hear it. And one of the first ones is the Bach Dynamite and Dance. Oh. Because it was one of the first venues I played out here. Yeah. Mm. And I just thought, how cool <laughs> of a place is this? And what? And Pete was alive then, so he was a grumpy old guy. But he always treated me nice mm. and always gave me a gig, like at least every year or once a year, or once every other year if I came to teach at Stanford. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I dug that place mm. somehow. It was just old and funky and I, it was new for me to, to yeah. know of a place that was so neighborhood-like or community-based, like really a community of people that went there a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was Sunday afternoon. It was a gorgeous <laughs> sun and the beach was right there. I just thought, oh, oh my yeah. God. Cool. And this piano was great and the sound was mm -hmm. fun and always fun gigs. So, and always a good audience. Yeah. That was really one of my favorites. Mm. The, the next one up in this way is is the North uh, Coast Brewery. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, the Sequoia cool. Room, which I hope is still going to be going in a while. It's having some issues okay. for some reason. But I'm hoping to get back there next summer because mm -hmm. um, another intimate room, always a great audience. Feels like a real jazz club in there. Yeah. You know, and it's you're up in the middle of almost nowhere. Yeah. These kinds of out, out of the yep. way places yeah. are sort of what I enjoy. Mm. And yeah, those are my two favorite around here. And uh, and what about not around here, yeah, like in New York or or well, or New Europe York, or anywhere, uh, anywhere? New York, I like playing at Mesro. Yeah, it's a really small, intimate place, and usually a duo or trio mm. gig. Um, I always love Jazz Standard. It's funny, I have two live recordings from there and I can't get another gig. <laughs> <laughs> Grammy-nominated <laughs> albums, I might add. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I don't know what the deal is there, but I mean, they have a different repertoire, I think, almost in mm -hmm. a way, too, there when it comes to styles of jazz. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little more world and modern. Mm. Uh -huh. So maybe they just don't sure. want to swing it. I don't know. Uh, or it's just difficult. You know, it's, everybody wants to play it. Right. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy that room a lot, mm -hmm. playing there. I used to like Smoke. Mm -hmm. um, it's small also, and a lot of my fan base was disturbed that after the first set, they'd have to leave mm. because there's a turnover, I which see. is a great thing for Smoke. I mean, come on, give it up. Right. But they just, I lost some fan base. You know, if I played there, then some of them wouldn't come. Mm -hmm. and So, mm -hmm. I don't know. My Actually, the newest love of jazz club there is Birdland Theater. Oh, yeah. Nice. That, when did that open? It just... It just opened a year ago yeah. or so. And mm -hmm. I just played there in uh, April, I think it was. Wow. Early May. And fantastic room. Cool. Birdland upstairs I played many times, and it's quite large. Mm -hmm. mm. A little too big, almost, for my audience, I guess. Or many people's, because it's hardly ever filled. Mm -hmm. Other than, like, say, major, major artists. And then down, so that's why I think they got the downstairs 
up and running because mm -hmm. it seats about 75 to 100. Oh, nice. And perfect. Mm. <sighs> Packed the nights yep. I was there. I had four nights and had a different special guest each night. Wow. And it just was really, really fun. That's, mm. that's really probably my favorite venue at the moment there. Cool. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I am wondering, and, you know, I don't know, this question, I'm wondering how music, like just being a musician and performing and teaching and doing everything that you do, how has it, um, I don't know, I want to say, I'm not, I don't quite know the, the way to ask this, but how does, how has it changed you or how has it kind of contributed to you being the person that you are? Like, what have you learned from teaching, from performing, like as a human being mm. that's... Um, empathy <laughs> and um, compassion mm -hmm. because I mean especially teaching university level it's I mean these are adults yeah. and they have a life mm. I mean I we sometimes us professors or teachers will say our kids you know are the, are the kids you know but they're not kids yeah and if you, I, myself, I think I used to, whatever it was, treat them like kids. And sometimes you sort of have to, mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. to be a mentor. Mm -hmm. It's more like yeah. how I see myself. Mm -hmm. and, and, but, but the more I've tried to treat them more like an adult, the more I, s and realize that they actually have lives, they have jobs that they have to do to, pay for school, you know what I mean? Whatever yeah. they're, they, totally. It's not just yeah. school that they do. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. you know, yeah. Some do. Mm -hmm. Some, they're only at school. Those are what, usually the ones we call kids because they're mm -hmm. the ones that are usually act like kids. The yeah. ones that actually have jobs, have other responsibilities, those are the ones that are actually a bit more mature. Interesting. And, you know, but I try to really treat them all as adults and see them as, you know, if they can't make a lesson or something, I used to think, oh, geez, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but now it's like, oh, I hope everything's okay, you know. Mm -hmm. right. And mm -hmm. usually it is something like, yeah, my car completely died mm -hmm. a minute at the red light, and just as I got off the highway. Because yeah. some of them drive from Slovenia, you know, and they go home for the weekend and they come back wow. and stay for three yeah. or four days and then go back to Slovenia, wow. you know. Yeah. It's only an hour or two drive, so it's they get to home, go home and have mom's home-cooked meal. Sure. That's why there's, in some ways, still kids still sometimes. Kids, huh? you know? <laughs> but some of them have babies and have husbands and yeah. at 22, wow. three, three years old sometimes, you yeah. know? Yep. So they're adult, you know, those, you have to just see each student as a real person, mm -hmm. not just a student, Yeah. and see that they have things that they have to do in life, and this is just one of them. Yeah. And they're not all going to be jazz singers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a couple handfuls through the many years I've taught that are out there doing it. The rest totally. are either working at a festival, volunteering, doing music therapy, or doing mm -hmm. something else, mm -hmm. you know, in music. Maybe just organ being a manager, mm -hmm. running a festival in their hometown of Sofia in Bulgaria, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. starting a little music school in mm -hmm. Tasmania. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of the former students yeah. Yeah. doing things and, that's, that's really cool. you know, they all, and when they're with us for these four to six years, you know, we have to be, uh, or I feel I have to guide them mm -hmm. in a certain way, but I try to allow them to help that guidance. Yes. Because when they take responsibility for that, it's going to be stronger for yeah. them, mm -hmm. for their experience. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. I hope I answered that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, how about as a performer? Um, I mean, I don't even, <laughs> it's just a, like, have you, have you watched yourself change? Like I yeah, know for, yeah. well, oh yeah, I was nervous mm-hmm. performing in my late twenties and yeah. even my early thirties. And after this sort of epiphany thing, yeah. it took a, even some time to bring that on yeah. to the stage, but, um, the work we with energies and everything, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's also I, intertwined. It is really intertwined. I just want to say, like, for myself, I've noticed it's really... I never realized that I was still as shy as I was. But what I've, I, what I've noticed even just since I've been, you know, just a, a, a baby doing this for seven years, um, studying, you know, jazz, piano, and just playing gigs, a little bit, yeah, doing yeah. some gigs now. But what I've discovered is that... Um, that I think getting over my fears, like learning how to deal with it. And especially I have to say when I was in school and I had a lot of like embarrassment and shame, especially being, you know, an adult and playing in front of people and, and just like uh, these yeah. kids, you know, <laughs> yeah, 18 no. year old boys. I was like, Ew. oh my God, my no. hands are shaking. I just have no idea yeah. what to do. But, you know, I really had to um, work with myself with mindfulness and all this to just kind of reorient it, kind of what mm. you were saying, you're reframing what's going on. And like literally like dealing with these intense feelings of shame. Uh, I brought this up in another podcast yeah. actually, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, learning how to deal with that and actually just being okay with, excuse me, making a fool of myself. For example, now I know this is not relating to you because you know you, you're, you started in a completely different place, but I guess what I'm trying to say, just giving, giving you an example of um, like now I feel like somehow I'm more liberated in my everyday life just because mm-hmm. like I've gone through that process yes. and yeah. I can love myself even mm-hmm. though, you know, I may not be the yeah. best piano player in the world, you know, but it's, we each have our own path. Yeah. And that's the other thing about teaching too. They all have their own path. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to have a bit of a curriculum that everybody followed, but that's opened up so much and, and mm-hmm. every student is individual mm-hmm. and, and it still was when I had a curriculum. I mean, I still have a basic one, <laughs> yes. you know, but uh, it's not so detailed and it's more open to the individual because everybody has their own path and everybody's on that path at a different place at a different time in their lives. Mm-hmm. Some, some of, I have some students that are squarely here and very present cool. at 18, 19 years mm-hmm, old. Mm-hmm. And there's no... Head games, yeah, no, no question. No fear of stage one I have right now, wow. and and just just goes right out there and does it. Yep. No qualms, no issues. Amazing. Really. And so everybody's different. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I do. I understand that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just more uh, confident mm-hmm. in allowing myself to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of always trying to be for someone else. Yes, I hear you. And that, that and is that, the key right there and that for me students, too. For the young students with the shame and the, mm-hmm. all that stuff, that's still that issue. Yep, which I agree. Which is you're yes. still like wanting recognition yeah. somehow mm-hmm. or some gratification or something. Mm-hmm. And you don't really need it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you do it yourself, it's stronger. Yeah. Thank you, Dina. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, blah, 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 blah. I love it. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. Oh, do you have a manager? Do you have somebody books or gigs, or do you do that yourself? Well, 
I have uh, a manager slash friend slash manager slash friend. <laughs> <laughs> he was first a, a and he was first an agent. When I moved to New York, he booked my trio for jazz cocktail hours at weddings and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and private events out in Long Island, Connecticut, blah, blah, blah. So, and I was about 30 then, mm-hmm. even late 20s, sorry, 28, around there, 27, sorry, 26. It was about a year after I moved to New York, I met up with him. And um, he's just a great guy. He was in the club date business as a trumpet player okay. when he grew up, mm-hmm. and then he went into booking, and it was the high time of booking for club dates. Club dates mean something else out here. Club dates in New York means weddings, okay. parties, bar mitzvahs, mm-hmm. private events, gotcha. and um, he made a lot of money doing this. He had 10, 20, 30 bands and 10 or 15, yeah. 20 different solo pianist singers on all the hotels in New York. I mean, it was a big time. And then the DJs came along mm. and pretty much wrecked it, and he got out of the business and went into the insurance business <laughs> that he actually went to school for also oh. besides trumpet. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, he took a turn and gave up all that stuff. And and then about 10 years of that, he hooked me up with my insurance. <laughs> he was an insurance nice. man for a lot of musicians yeah. in New York. So, And then he, f- he decided, you know, one day he said, you know, Dina, and I didn't have a manager or an agent or anything, um, I had like Joel Chris, he's an agent in New York. Mm-hmm. He would get me about one gig a year somewhere in Europe or, oh. yeah. uh, you know, somewhere, Cleveland, Ohio, I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah. something, you know. Yeah. Um, and this one agent down in Baltimore, Michael Cherigo, who would get me one gig a year somewhere. But mainly I just always booked myself. Mm-hmm. And um, Jay wanted to manage me. And the managing's different. They don't book gigs. They just manage what's booked. Mm-hmm. So he thought I needed a little help because I, I was up to my ears with, you know, I was losing gigs because I couldn't keep up with getting back to people yeah. and stuff like that. Right. So he said, I'll do that. Wow. You know, I said, well, okay, mm-hmm. how much is that going to charge? He goes, you kidding? We'll just see. I'll just help. Kids just love to be back in the business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Sweet. then he started to try to book me, but he's not really, that's not his forte. Because mm-hmm. he dealt with people like an insurance agent. Okay, he called yeah. them my clients, and they didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I said, Jay, don't call them. He says, yeah, but they are. And I said, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like people yeah. in, in art and culture. It's not business school, you yeah, know. Right. So he just couldn't get himself over that, and he just decided, I just want to manage, mm-hmm. right. which was fine, because I needed help with contracts. Yeah. And just to, the minute I say, I got this booked, here it is, here's the info, he makes the contract, sends it out. Thanks, you know. Nice. And that happens about four or five times a year mm-hmm. when I'm here in the States yeah. if I need a contract. So I had one of those back in April, mm-hmm. and that's the one for the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest I book. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's basically the two agents that I get a gig from once a year. Joel Chris about once every four years, you know. Yeah. And that's it. And I have a, an agent in Spain uh-huh. who's one of the oldest there. He brought over Sarah Vaughn, Chet Baker, everybody. He's still doing it. A lot of the festivals don't like working through him because he's an old man. So unfortunately, he doesn't get a lot of his artists in the festivals as Mm -hmm. much as he used to. Yeah. But I get one or two nice tours every year. Mm -hmm. 
and it's they're all nice gigs nice. and it's concert venues and festivals great. and and it's fine. That's great. So that's but basically I'm at least ninety percent booking it mm -hmm. myself. Yeah, interesting. Daniel, we haven't asked Dina yet the question oh, yeah. the, about her first right. earliest right. uh, strong musical ex like music experience, experience listening. Actually, like if you could listening. go back, mm -hmm. yeah, when your earliest memory, yeah. potent memory of listening to music, live music, or just mm, just like record. anything, like it just could, anything. It could, it could be live, but could your earliest record. memory. I would be surprised if you were at a concert when you were yeah, right. <laughs> really little. But you never know. You never know. I can remember because I, I got into doing this was going to Roberson Center in my hometown and they had a theater organ in there that came up from the cellar. Yeah. Ooh. And sorry. And um, there was a, a, a man that played for silent movies. Yeah. And it was an all black and white film up oh there and God. you saw him looking at it and playing at it. And I said, I want to do that. <sighs> so I st and I was probably about six or seven oh. just getting into organs so i must have been seven right and so <laughs> you know at home at night my organ had a headphone jack and my bed my family went to bed at nine o'clock at night <laughs> my dad worked construction he was up at four in the morning and my mom whatever so i had the headphone jack with my big old sony headphones <laughs> yeah, nice. and all the lights on the big or theater organ in my house it took up half wow. the living room oh my god and i had the tv on off sound right. that makes sense. and I'd sit there and watch it and just like I loved doing it just making oh music to gosh. whatever was on TV yeah you know and then so oh. by 10 or 10 30 I'd hear my mom yelling Dina go to bed because <laughs> all they could hear is thump thump yeah, like thump, little thump. Noises tick, tick, tick 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 yeah. you know here I thought I was being quiet I'm like <laughs> No. Yeah. yeah. Oh but I had a blast. You what? Know? A, wow, that so. is such a cool memory. <laughs> wow. So, and then I did actually play for one in an afternoon session at Roberson Center. Uh -huh. it, it wasn't really, I don't even think it was open to the public. But they allowed me to wow. be the one to come up and oh. thing and then watch it and play one. God. I think it was only Beautiful. one. Beautiful. Wow. Sweet. Was yeah. It's great. Neat. <laughs> so, what was that experience like uh, actually watching the organist play? Um, did you stay for the whole, like, were you there for the film itself? Yeah, for yeah. the whole thing. My right. mom was very good at bringing me to anything, hmm, you know, any venue, any musical situation. She had me in organ competitions. and she, we, At the time, I was still ice skating, too, and she was a former ice oh, capades right. skater, oh, so yeah. she was teaching ice skating. And, of course, my brother and I grew up in that, so I was already into comp competing also. Figure eights and... Yep. Whatever. Do you have video yeah. of that, by the way? <laughs> no, but my mom just showed me a piece that was in the newspaper, and it's us, uh, my mom and I. She, I'm behind her. She's got my Aww. hand, and I was about seven or something. Wow. And um, another woman that taught also, and her daughter, and they just have us on the ice rink, just you know, and talking about my mom who was in the ice capades, and this other woman who was also semi-professional. So, yeah, it was a big f feature on my mom and this woman, and, and the little daughters got in it. You yeah, know? okay. Yeah. So, yeah. No video, though. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Hmm. If we do, it's not around anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. hmm. I just have one last question. I don't know if, um, you know, we're going to have, I've decided to have a medical Qigong master on, you know, as yeah. part of the podcast, and actually he's going to be doing a workshop here. Great. Calling called um, Qigong for healing Qigong for musicians. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's literally like 
um, won gold medals, world yeah, gold medals. Justin yeah. Eggert, yes, is just like the best. Wow. Seriously, yeah. Great. And he speaks Chinese, by wow. the way, even though he's, you know, American, but he learned Chinese. But anyway, um, but I was just wondering, so I'm going to probably put the word out on Facebook as well to musician friends, like what issues physically do people struggle with? Like um, as musicians, and not only maybe like physical issues, but also like mental, emotional things. Mm. Um, do you have anything like maybe it's you personally or not you personally, but things that you hear that could be helped? You think by that? All of it can be helped by that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we incorporate answer. you going into our third, you know, third yeah. year of of and breathing and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, we have an. 19-year-old bassist that already has shoulders issues, tension, and it cramps up. Mm. He wakes up in the morning and it's cramped, and his girlfriend has to, like, yep. massage him out. <laughs> and he walks a little bit like this, you know. And, mm. and I know bass players, a lot of them, they're sort of cockeyed like this, the yeah. right shoulder, if they're yeah, right-handed bass right. players. Mm -hmm. And drummers have issues with their backs. Mm -hmm. Their wrists. And their, their necks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're down here. Yeah playing and and so we work on all of this postural stuff mm -hmm. in the third year mm -hmm. second year also but when i'm co-teaching it with aneta mm -hmm. it's a lot of uh, body work mm -hmm. and i think so a great. lot of that is you know everybody has their tensions mm -hmm. i know singers that have tension in their knees mm -hmm. and that was you know an issue on one of one of my singers or in their hips they mm -hmm. hold their hips forward or back yeah. or you know all these different things that are just you know, well, when when it comes to qigong or yoga, it's it's about centering the spine and mm -hmm. getting the body to be in a good position so that everything can work how we need it to, mm -hmm. instead of overwork right. in certain spots that make other parts not work. Yes, you know, yes. out of balance. So, I totally believe in it. Yes. Yeah, yeah I wish I could cool. be here for that. Mm -hmm. Well, who knows? Maybe yeah. you know you will. If you're, yeah. If you're around. <laughs> yeah. Um, or we could even like get him to come to New York. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Another idea. We'll get into that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I had no idea that we'd gone on this long. Yeah. So talking, talking away. Um, but I would just like to personally thank you for passing on the tradition of jazz and teaching like you do yes. and sharing your music and sharing your joy. Oh, thank you. As well as coming here and doing this podcast with us. Oh, I'm excited. I was When you yeah. asked me, I was like, oh, great. Uh, we need to just spread yeah. yes. information in, in mm -hmm. a different way sometimes, not just... Learn this tone, learn this tone, yeah, learn totally. this solo. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. like how, how does each person's path go? Mm -hmm. And I think some students sort of, and people in general, fans, they'd like to know that, mm -hmm. yeah. see that everybody is different. Mm -hmm. And everybody does have maybe a similar path sometimes, but usually it ends up being one's own, mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Follow that, that and path. And that's the, that's the fun journey. Yeah, exactly. Because we're all individual. We yeah. are. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't ask you that you would like to... to yeah, anything okay. you want to touch on? I <laughs> can't think of anything at okay. this point. I just thank you for having me. Oh, oh our so pleasure. appreciate you on. This has been such thank a Thank you, yes. Absolutely. Okay, everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in today. Um, we have to thank... Uh, Dina one last time again for coming out as it's been such a pleasure to have her on and just hear about her kind of history with music and what's been going on in recent events as well. Keep your posture good yeah. if you're sitting in the car. That's, yeah. a, that's a great um, English sentence, by the way. Definitely don't ever use that sentence. <laughs> so, 
Cool. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you.